When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Forever Dog. Welcome to Forever Dog. You can listen to this podcast ad-free on Forever Dog Plus by signing up at foreverdogpodcasts.com slash plus. And make sure to follow us on social at Forever Dog Team and check out all of our podcasts at foreverdogpodcasts.com. Thank you for your support and enjoy the show. Welcome to Public Domain Theater. This week, F. Scott Fitzgerald's Bernice Bobs Her Hair with guest Ryan Mulkey. Hi, welcome to Public Domain Theater. I'm Lindsay Katai. And I'm Kelly Nugent. And this week on the podcast, we are reading F. Scott Fitzgerald's Bernice Bobs Her Hair with comedian and podcaster Ryan Mogi of the podcast Same Day Shipping along with our own Kelly Nugent. Yeah. Uh, hey, guys. <laughs> hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. Excited to have you. Yeah. Um, we knew, well, I knew and then told everyone that you. <laughs> <laughs> and then blabbed. And then I yeah. just blabbed it. Oh, you're such a goss. I'm a goss queen. <laughs> um, that you are from Rockville, Maryland. I am. And I mentioned that to you. And yes. You, you were like, <laughs> well, F. Scott Fitzgerald's buried there. <laughs> There's not a lot of authors from my hometown, but you can see where they're one of the great voices. Of but if you American. stand on a hill uh-huh. in the distance, <laughs> you will see a tiny gravestone. Well, what's funny is it's like in the center of the oldest part of town because uh-huh. uh, it's a very suburban town. So there's been a lot like paved over and strip malled. But there's one tiny like there's a little Catholic church. There's a little uh, little cemetery and then train tracks. And if you go right between those things in the little that little triangle, F. Scott Fitzgerald's grave. Great. And it was the kind of place like, because when you were a kid, you didn't know what that meant. Yeah. And then you would read Get Great Gatsby in like ninth grade. Right. And so then sometime in 10th grade, people were like, yeah, you know, he's buried here. Let's, <laughs> cool. go, let's, let's go for a walk. Oh. <laughs> Do you want to make out on F. Scott Fitzgerald's many, corpse? Yes. Many people have made out <laughs> on that corpse. <laughs> nice. Take it. Take it, F. Scott. <laughs> And the whole Deal. time, he's just like, Zelda. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you would get possessed. It was really weird. Yeah, like, really I weird. thought the 20s were roaring. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> he's like, 2000, what? <laughs> um, so what do we know about F. Scott? Other than the fact that we know where his bones rest. <laughs> we, <laughs> what do we know about his, his life? Uh, we know. Let me pull that up. In fact, well, can I say that he was born in 1896 in St. Paul? I guess if you want, I guess you could say that. Uh, He went to Princeton and when World War I started, he was commissioned as a second lieutenant and stationed to Montgomery, Alabama. And while at a country club there, he met and fell in love with Zelda Sayre, daughter of Alabama Supreme Court Justice Anthony D. Sayre and the golden girl of Montgomery society. Oh, beautiful. After the war ended, he married Zelda and moved to the Upper West Side of Manhattan. 
Um, and, uh, you know, he was traveling all over the place in the 20s. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And then he met and became friends with the expat community in Paris, most notably Ernest Hemingway. I mean, Hemingway hated Zelda, just to say. Yeah. And uh, all women. <laughs> and all women. <laughs> in addition to describing her as insane in his memoir, A Movable Feast, Hemingway claimed that Zelda encouraged her husband to drink so as to distract him from his work on his novel. Um, what a what a fucking liar. You know what? Hemingway is a turd. Yeah, he's a real little turd. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and I think that F. Scott Fitzgerald and Zelda were addicts. So yeah. it's not really nice. Yeah. Like, he's like, no. uh, she's just like trying to make him drink so he doesn't work on his book. And it's like, no, they're like sick. They're like both. Yeah. yeah. They both have problems. <laughs> it's not it's not Zelda being a bitch. Yeah. Uh, his first novel, This Side of Paradise, was a success. It made Fitzgerald and Zelda instant celebrities. Um, and Zelda was known for outlandish behavior, such as dancing in the fountains outside the Plaza Hotel. But the success didn't continue. His later novels didn't do well. Not even The Great Gatsby. And now we all fucking have to pay the no. price in high school. Yeah, we all have to watch that movie. <laughs> Wait, hold on. We no all have one to watch. has to watch that movie. I did. I had to watch Great Gatsby, not the, oh, the Robert DiCaprio, obviously. But yeah, the Robert Redford, Mia Farrow, oh. Great Gatsby in the 11th grade. And I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> Mia Farrow is boring. <laughs> she is only interesting when she's voicing a unicorn. Yes. And then she's great. And then she's great. Uh, and then Fitzgerald starts having an affair, but then Zelda starts getting violent and emotionally distressed, and she got put in the Highland Hospital by Fitzgerald in Asheville, North Carolina. And it's important to know that Zelda was struck by schizophrenia in 1930. Oh, I didn't see that. And fragile sorry. for the whole rest of her life. Man, this is sad. Yeah. Zelda's life is sad. Zelda's life is so sad. Have you guys watched Z? No. Um, the the Zelda bio series on amazon that christina ricci is in oh is no. it good i started it and god bless her but i can't watch her as anything but wednesday adams because oh, really? she, for me is one of those child actresses who just like i can't view as anything but acting right mm. like jenna malone mm -hmm. and uh anna paquin mm -hmm. and her where i'm just like i can see yeah i can see the seams right i can yeah. see the work going on behind the Behind the scenes. Mm. I do recommend the book. I believe it's called Zelda, a biography. Oh. Um, it's a nice, juicy version of her life. Nice. I don't know how accurate it is, <laughs> but it's juicy. Yeah, it's a good read. Mm, juicy. And it's sympathetic to her. Good. Whereas I think, unlike anyway. like a movable feast. A movable feast. And I'm sure he was the, the first and last word for a long time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm sure. Fitzgerald is just constantly struggling. Uh, then he gets an, a, deal, a deal with MGM. He then gets a high profile living affair with a movie columnist. This is not going great for poor Zeldy. <laughs> She's like in there the whole time. Ugh. I'm not even sure what Zelda's whole end was because what I am saying is that from 1939 until his death in 1940, Fitzgerald mocked himself as a Hollywood hack, suffered two heart attacks in 1930s because of heavy drinking. And then, wait, <laughs> and, then, huh. and then later died of a heart attack at age 44. This is interesting. <laughs> the way he died. 
I'm we're, not totally sure what I'm. What? Okay, yeah. so he's so, like, you need to. So okay, he ate a candy bar. I was. I was <laughs> what? Yeah. All right. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. First, so you know, on the morning of December twenty first, nineteen forty, take it away, Kelly. Uh, Fitzgerald ate a candy bar and made notes in his newly arrived Princeton Alumni Weekly. Graham, who's I think the one who he's having the affair with, um, mm-hmm. sees him jump up from his armchair, grab the mantelpiece, gasp, and fall to the floor. She um, got the manager of the building, the founder of Culver City, Harry Culver himself. And he's like, I'm too busy building a city. <laughs> like, damn it, Fitzgerald. Now's not the time for your candy bar antics. And then, and then Fitzgerald's just laying on the ground and he's like, he's dead. Which, <laughs> wait, don't. is it say that? Upon entering the apartment, he stated, I'm afraid he's dead. <laughs> Upon entering the apartment, <laughs> he walks to the front door and he's like, he's dead. Yep. <laughs> so he died at age 44 wow young oh yeah he fucking hospitalized zelda oh mm-hmm. okay so now i'm getting this oh here we go do you want to hear what happened with zelda yes i do yes. so we've just received um breaking news from producer <laughs> Brad. <laughs> <laughs> man you guys are, are doing on tonight. tonight yeah very good um, after reading The Last Tycoon, Zelda began working on a new ov- novel of her own, Caesar's Things. She missed Scott's funeral. Um, I don't really understand this sentence. It uh. says, as she missed Scott's funeral. So she missed Scotty's wedding. Which, I, which <laughs> leads me Scotty to believe, is what they called their daughter. So that leads me to believe that their daughter got married. <laughs> at, Ding at dong, daddy's dead. <laughs> That's how she had the money. At the same time, so... <laughs> While the funeral was so, as the funeral was taking mm-hmm. place, her wedding yeah, was. Her as wedding well. was. Also- yeah, Zelda missed both. So yeah. She missed both. She was writing. She she's working on her novel, checking in and out of the hospital. She didn't get better, and she didn't finish the novel. Um, a fire broke. What? It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty great. Okay. On the night of March 10th, 1948, a fire broke out in the hospital kitchen. Zelda was locked into a room awaiting (gasps) electroshock therapy. The fire moved through the dumbwaiter shaft, spreading onto every floor. The fire escapes were wooden and they caught fire as well. Nine women, including Zelda, died. It's crazy. (sighs) That's so sad. I am sick of this 1940s bullshit. Yeah. About, and I... I say this based off of nothing. Okay. Mm -hmm. I bet she wasn't insane. I bet she had a lifetime of gaslighting at the hands of her husband and Ernest Hemingway and whoever the fuck else where she was made to feel like she was crazy for suspecting he was having affairs or like wanting her own career because I have heard that she was maybe the more talented writer of Mm -hmm. the two of them. Yeah. I think, you know what, if she wasn't, like I feel like whatever they were doing to her too just made whatever she was dealing with worse exactly and I like would not be surprised if she was like depressed or bipolar or something or i mean you know how like trauma can make your brain chemistry change mm-hmm. so like being constantly traumatized by this horrible husband and his terrible best friend yeah but- and she had more like uh typical problems too of like she w- she had a daughter and she didn't really want to be a mother yeah and had mm-hmm. that to deal with that, to deal with and I'm sure, society's expectations versus yeah. her own desires. Yeah. I also bet that her not wanting a daughter was like a symptom. Oh, I'm sure. You know what I mean? Oh, They're like, yeah. oh, well, she doesn't want her daughter. That's Yeah, oh. she has no mothering instincts. Poor Zelda. She Poor needs Zelda. treatment. Zeldy. Ugh, 
It's okay. like Francis Farmer. It's like all these women who just got institutionalized. Even yes. Though it was just like they're depressed. Whereas like mm-hmm. if a man's depressed, it's like, oh, you're artistic. Yeah. Fuck you. Where they're like, well, you have to go out on Walden Pond. Yeah. Yeah, that is it. A- you're a fucking dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stay He's in Walden dick. Pond. <laughs> <laughs> um, so do we want to read what this dick wrote? Yeah. <laughs> I mean... The title alone has me interested. It has me interested. I've also heard that Zelda helped him write everything. So let's oh, just imagine. Yeah. Let's I'm imagine, imagine this is by Zelda. Uh-huh. Okay, so Bernie swaps her hair. Zelda. By Zelda. <laughs> for Zelda. <laughs> Lola. <laughs> okay. After dark on Saturday night, one could stand on the first tee of the golf course and see the country club windows as a yellow expanse over a very black and wavy ocean. Oh, privilege. I know. What is he talking about? (laughs) One could, one with a lot of money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Or someone who's catty. Have you read this already? <laughs> I don't think The so. waves of the ocean, so to speak, were the heads of many curious caddies, a few of the more ingenious chauffeurs, the golf professional's deaf sister. And there were usually... Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay what? I guess, I guess she detail. features in the story. Interesting detail. Uh, and there were usually several stray, diffident waves who might have rolled inside had they so desired. This was the gallery. The balcony was inside. It consisted of the circle of wicker chairs that lined the wall of the combination club room and ballroom. At these Saturday night dances, it was largely feminine. Okay. Okay. All right. A great babble of middle-aged ladies with sharp oh, eyes. Fuck and, you. Yeah, rude. <laughs> and icy hearts behind lorgnettes and large bosoms. Nice. <laughs> you need a large bosom to, like, be around your icy heart. Because <laughs> yeah, otherwise, yeah, otherwise, yeah. <laughs> the main break. function of the balcony was critical. It occasionally showed grudging admiration, but never approval, for it is well known among ladies over 35 that when the younger set dance in the summertime, it is with the very worst intentions in the world. And if they I are- say this all the time, as a woman <laughs> approaching 36, let me tell you, worst intention in dancing I have ever seen takes place on a balcony. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I'm sorry. I view this from the balcony. Oh, yes. You're I'm from sorry. the balcony. What You're is my opinion down. again? You think that the young women are attacking you with their dancing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if they are not bombarded with stony eyes, stray couples will dance weird barbaric interludes in the corners. And the more popular, more dangerous girls will sometimes be kissed in the parked limousines of unsuspecting dowagers. Hold so on. Love Okay, that is pretty dope. Okay, <laughs> to like sneak into someone else's limousine. Yeah. <laughs> I think if I was that dowager, I would be a little bitter. Yeah, right. Because other be people like, are making out in my limousine. Yeah, because you've never made out in that limousine. Plus, no. like my life is over. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, after thirty-five, you, like I am of no use to society. Because yeah, you no. know I'm not birthing no babies. No, no, you're just a corpse. Yep. Um, corpse with a. A willowy bosom. Willowy? A big bosom. No, willowy means that. <laughs> willowy is thin. Wait, so, I'm sorry, hold on. No, yeah, the willowy. Ryan is my doing willowy, the lotion. My big bosom on my willow, willowy frame. So your willowy bosom <laughs> is like two undulating, two <laughs> undulating, thin, long breasts. <laughs> yeah. Just I'm sorry, I don't know. What? Yeah, that's, that's what, what I'm ha- saying. That's what happens when you, you turn thirty. Acting like I wasn't accurately describing my little bosom, but that's exactly what I meant. You've seen me. <laughs> but after all, this critical circle is not close enough to the stage to see the actors' faces and catch the subtler byplay. 
It can only frown and lean, ask questions and make satisfactory deductions from its set of postulates. That is the most annoying sentence I've ever read. Um, such as the one which states that every... It's snobby. It's snobby. That's what it is. It's, yeah, don't read this side of paradise. <laughs> I'm sorry. Pretentious, not snobby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Such as the one with sta- which states that every young man with a large income leads the life of a hunted partridge. Oh, wow. poor rich boy. This is some misogynist bullshit. Mm-hmm. It never really appreciates the drama of the shifting, semi-cruel world of adolescence. No, boxes, orchestra circle, principals, and chorus are represented by the medley of faces and voices that sway to the plaintive act. Wait, that sway mm-hmm. to the plaintive African rhythm of Dyer's Dance Orchestra. I, I, I don't I'm think lost. I get it. I don't I'm think lost. I get that. I don't, I don't think know I get that. that sentence means. I mean, I knew all the we, words. Are we still at the country club? We're at the or country club. Are we in an club. opera house now? <sighs> okay. From 16-year-old Otis Ormond. Oh, a who character. Has, a character. A character. Finally. <laughs> who has two more years at Hill School. To G. Reese Stoddard, over whose bureau at home hangs a Harvard Law diploma. No, these aren't characters. They're just people. God damn it. Um, from little Madeline Hogue, oh. whose hair feels, still feels strange and uncomfortable on top of her head. Hold on. That means, does that mean she's like three? She's three. Why it is means she she's like, Why is her it hair? Means she's, she's, like, she's like 14, because only now is she old enough to put her hair up. Uh, oh, that's right. Good so call. Good strange. call. Yeah. Good call. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, After all, I am one of these uh, old bitches staring down from the balcony. I think, you know what? I see all. I think you're a Bessie McRae. Uh-oh. To Uh-oh. Bessie McRae, who has been the life of the party a little too long. More than 10 years. Oh. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck oh my you. God. From one Bessie to another. <laughs> Fuck you. I think we're all Bessie. <laughs> I think it's true. Um... The medley is not only the center of the stage, but contains the only people capable of getting an unobstructed view of it. With a flourish and a bang, the music stops. The couples exchange artificial, effortless smiles, facetiously repeat, la-da-da-dum-dum. Huh, why are... Wait, <laughs> why... Facetiously? Wait, why are I, they saying... I was going to say, like, how do you effortlessly be so artificial? Isn't it an effort to be no, artificial? That's, that's what they're like, Lindsay. They're naturally artificial. They've lived their whole work. life this, like this. Yeah, I guess so. It's like Diet Coke. They don't even. Have- <laughs> <laughs> it's like Diet Coke. It's um, an aspartame. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So they. Why do they say that? La da da. Can you imagine if you just like la da da? It's like going. Fiddle dee dee. After you dance? Yeah, well, (laughs) fiddle dee dee. This was a time. (laughs) This has been a true time, Wilston. And then the clatter of young feminine voices soars over the burst of clapping. A few disappointed stags caught in the mid floor as they had been about to cut in subsided listlessly back to the walls. (laughs) You gotta step up, stags. Gotta gotta (laughs) rear those horns. (laughs) Because this was not like the riotous Christmas dances. These summer hops were considered just pleasantly warm and exciting, where even the younger marrieds rose and performed ancient waltzes and terrifying foxtrots to the tolerant amusement of their younger brothers and sisters. Okay, I think maybe this is a character. Okay. Warren McIntyre, who casually attended Yale. (laughs) Casually? I I hate hate F. Scott Fitzgerald. I hate F. Scott Fitzgerald and whoever, whatever that guy's name was. Warren? Uh, Warren Warren? McIntyre. Warren McIntyre. I hate you. I think I'll 
do a little bit of Yale. I'll casually attend. <laughs> I don't feel like Yaling today. <laughs> Being one of the unfortunate stags, felt in his dinner coat pocket for a cigarette and strolled out onto the wide, semi-dark veranda, where couples were scattered at tables, filling the lantern-hung night with vague words and hazy laughter. Is this like a, a not-all-men thing? Like, are we supposed to feel bad for Warren? I think we are. He's lonely. He didn't even want to go to Yale. Oh, he, yeah. He, he, yeah. he just casually went. I bet he, his he, dad yeah. was an alum. He doesn't know uh, what father, to do with himself. I don't want to go to Yale. Well, you don't be serious about it. <laughs> just go casually. <laughs> he has no life skills. His dad got him the spot in Yale. Yeah. He was barely utilizing it. He nodded here and there at the less absorbed, and as he passed each couple, some half-forgotten fragment of a story played in his mind. Oh, God, it's F. Scott. This is F. Scott. No, I'm sorry, oh, what? fuck yeah. Ugh, oh, I'm just realizing this. Yeah. No! Okay. <laughs> oh, no, he is went he to Princeton. He did, but, but he made himself like, go to Yale Scott. in his story. Yeah. <laughs> There's <laughs> no denying. Himself. Yeah. Oh, God. That was the most Princeton thing you could do. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. He nod, or I'm sorry. He thought about a story. Oh, right. There, for example, were Jim Strain and Ethel Demarest, who had been privately engaged for three years. Everyone knew that as soon as Jim managed to hold a job for more than two months, she would marry him. Yet how bored they both looked and how wearily Ethel regarded Jim sometimes. As if she wondered why he had trained the vines of her affection on such a wind-shaken poplar. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I, I mean, don't got a lot of options. Yeah, the rest keep of the a story goddamn job be, for yeah. two months, buddy. Yeah, let's judge these people. I'm into this. <laughs> yeah. I think I like Warren I'm with F. Scott. <laughs> oh, are we I'm team F. Scott? <laughs> Warren was 19 and rather pitying with those of his friends who hadn't gone east to college. Nope, uh, hate him again. Okay. <laughs> hate him again. But like most boys, he bragged tremendously about the girls of his city when he was far away from it. There was Genevieve Ormond, who regularly oh made God. the rounds of dances. From Genevieve to Carol. From <laughs> Nancy to Janice. From Sharkhanla to Balastra. <laughs> um, they're all like so fucking fake. And he's like, they're real. Um, who regularly made the rounds of dances, house parties, and football games at Princeton, Yale, Williams, and Cornell. There was black-eyed Roberta Dillon, who was quite as famous to her own generation as Hiram Johnson or Ty Cobb. And, of course, there was Marjorie Harvey, who, besides having a fairy-like face and a dazzling, bewildering tongue, was already justly I'm guessing he means wit. Yeah, yeah, I think he means I think that. he means wit, but we but can say we know. that mm. she likes to suck the caramel apple. <laughs> Wait, what? Are you reading? Is that an existing <laughs> phrase? No. <laughs> somebody was like, no, it says that. The caramel apple is round, Kelly. I and don't understand this. It. It's not good for your teeth. No, it's You're going to choke? Yeah. <laughs> Like, you should yeah. just take a bite of the caramel apple. Someone trying to be sexy. <laughs> and it's like this huge <laughs> round. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that one really sucks the caramel apple. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. Uh, Silence. <laughs> Marjorie. Mar oh yeah, Marjorie. Bewildering tongue was already justly celebrated for having turned five cartwheels in succession during I'm the sorry. last <laughs> pump and slipper dance at New Haven. <laughs> These I like that you push through it. You're like a guy to tell you about the pump and slipper. I mean, no, 
because she did it at a pump and slipper. The, the like fucking leisure time <laughs> these motherfuckers have. They're like, I'm bored. Let's throw yet another hop. We can't just call it a hop. How about a pump and slipper? Look at me, so, I'm doing cartwheels. So is that is the idea that you show up in pumps, you slip into slippers, and then you do cartwheels? I think I'm guessing she was just really trying to be the center of attention. I don't do think you, cartwheels were oh. a thing. Okay, but if I you are wearing maybe. pumps, that would be very difficult. So then, you know what? Props to her. <laughs> Are we team Marjorie Harvey? Um, Honestly, I think I felt bad for her. At the yeah. End. I feel bad yeah. for all women of this yeah. time period. Me yes, too. all women. <laughs> I mean, probably privileged white women less, but. Yeah. Well, they, but that's all of them. That's all of They're them. They're all yeah. privileged white women. Fitzgerald doesn't know about anyone no. else. No, he does not. Or care. <laughs> Warren, who had grown up across the street from Marjorie, had long been in quotes, crazy about her. Sometimes she seemed to reciprocate his feeling with a faint gratitude, but she had tried him by her infallible test and informed him gravely that she did not love him. Her test was that when she was away from him, she forgot him and had affairs with other boys. (laughs) (laughs) That is an infallible test. (laughs) I was about to make the joke like her infallible test of whether or not she loved him (laughs) proved that she loved him not. Yep. (laughs) Which is basically that. Which is exactly Mm -hmm. what he said. Yeah. Warren found this discouraging. (laughs) Especially as Marjorie had been making little trips all summer. Oh, no. And for the first two or three days after each arrival home, he saw great heaps of mail on the Harvey's Hall table addressed to her in various masculine handwritings. In the first two days. Great heaps of men sitting (laughs) in (laughs) (laughs) To make matters worse... All during the month of August, she had been visited by her cousin Bernice from Eau Claire, and it seemed impossible to see her alone. It was always necessary to hunt round and find someone to take care of Bernice. Oh, I'm Bernice. Oh, poor Bernice. Oh, no. I think we're all we're Bernice. All Bernice. So, I think something bad is going to happen to Bernice. Hashtag we are Bernice. Really bad is going to happen to Bernice. As August waned, this was becoming more and more difficult. Much as Warren worshipped Marjorie, he had to admit that cousin Bernice was sort of dopeless. She was, wait, wait, what is dopeless? What is dopeless? Like, I'm guessing he means dopey. Dopey? But, he, but it but sounds then he, like he follows saying, up with, she was pretty. I don't know. Oh, she didn't have any dopiness? She doesn't have any dopes? She's dopeless. There's no suitors? You know what? I think she's not dopey at all because she was pretty with dark hair and high color, but she was no fun at a party. So she's like boring? I think is we can serious? infer that just like, yeah, she's not a lot of fun. Okay. Again, we're all 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 Bernice. Every Saturday night, he danced a long, arduous duty dance with her to please Marjorie, but he had never been anything but bored in her company. Warren. He's a (laughs) m'lady. What is a m'lady? Those guys who are are like, oh, "Oh, let me do you lots and lots of favors in hopes that you'll sleep with you one day. Like, m'lady. Like that uh, Amy Schumer sketch, Mm. the m'lady app. I mean, he needs to quit Marjorie, though. He needs to quit Marjorie. He needs yes. to move on. Give yeah. it up. She's already said, mm, you kind of failed my test of me not thinking about you. Also, like, I'm pretty sure that, like, he, he's thinking about her all the time, right? Yeah. She's Seems like never thinking about I don't him. know that Marjorie knows that he thinks there's something happening between them. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he, like, after every interaction, he's like, wow. And she, 
is move. She's not even thinking about. This. She's like, he really likes to hook my my cousin up. Yeah, <laughs> I think he's into Bernays. <laughs> they dance an arduous dance. Yeah, like, arduous. I, I actually, I would date him if he weren't so hung up on Bernice over yeah. here. <laughs> he won't stop dancing with her. <laughs> then he ate a candy bar and had a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> <He died. laughs> Warren, a soft voice at his elbow, broke in upon his thoughts, and he turned to see Marjorie. At his elbow. So she's like super <laughs> short. Tiny. She's well, tiny. She's, she's got a fair. Hello. <laughs> um, flushed and radiant as usual. She laid a hand on his shoulder and a glow settled almost imperceptibly over him. Warren, she whispered, <laughs> do something for me. Dance with Bernice. She's oh. been stuck with little Otis Ormond for almost an hour. Warren's glow faded. Why, sure, he answered half-heartedly. You don't mind, do you? I'll see that you don't get stuck. It's all right. Marjorie smiled. That smile was thanks enough. <laughs> I feel like you're lying about yeah. that, but okay. Yeah. You're an angel, and I'm obliged loads. With a sigh, the angel glanced around the veranda, but Bernice and Otis were not in sight. He wandered back inside, and there in front of the women's dressing room, he found Otis in the center of a group of young men who were convulsed with laughter. Uh, this is so sad. Yeah. Otis was brandishing a piece of timber he had picked up and discoursing volubly. She's gone in to fix her hair, he announced wildly. I'm waiting to dance another hour with her. Their laughter <laughs> Wait, was <what>? renewed. <laughs> Why don't some of you cut in? Cried Otis resentfully. <laughs> she likes more variety. Why, Otis? Suggested a friend. You've just barely got used to her. Why the two by four, Otis? Inquired Warren, smiling. <laughs> Great question. Great question. We're all thinking it. <laughs> the two by four. Oh, this? This is a club. When she comes out, I'll hit her on the head and knock her in again. I'm sorry. Knock her in again? again? Wait, what does that mean? <laughs> knock her back into the bathroom? <laughs> oh, I think that's what he means. Oh, no. He's just Louisville slugger her wow. back into the... She sucks, I guess. I know, but she also, like, seriously can't, sucks. Can't he just go home? He can just leave. Just, just leave. stop dancing with her. Especially because once she goes to the bathroom... At least, okay, leave. that's my understanding of dances. Yes. Once you go to the bathroom, whatever was happening in your dance card, you can... It's erased. Yes, no guarantee. I agree. I agree. Yeah. No guarantee. So there's no reason he needs to be this cruel. No. No. I mean, I guess he's having fun. Oh, except for the fact that he is a privileged white male That's true, who true, 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 true. rules the world. That's true. Warren collapsed on a settee and howled with glee. Wait. Warren. So he is, oh he's, he, he's laughing so hard. He thinks this is so funny. Never mind, Otis. He articulated finally. I'm relieving you this time. Otis simulated a sudden fainting attack and handed the stick to Warren. I hate these men. I hate them. <laughs> if you need it, old man. He said hoarsely. No matter how beautiful or brilliant a girl may be, the reputation of not being frequently cut in on makes her position at a dance unfortunate. Perhaps boys prefer her company to that of the butterflies with whom they dance a dozen times an evening. But youth in this jazz-nourished generation is temperamentally restless, and the idea of foxtrotting more than one full foxtrot with the same girl is distasteful, not to say odious. So you have to just keep dancing with someone until someone else got in. <laughs> this is awful. This is a nightmare. Uh, this is horrible. Uh, no wonder she's in the bathroom. I, yeah, she's, she's trying to get she's away trying to get from, from him. When it comes to several dances and the intermissions between, she can be quite sure that a young man, once relieved, will never tread on her wayward toes again. Warren danced the next full dance with Bernice, and finally, thankful for the intermission, he led her to a table on the veranda. There was a moment's silence while she did an unimpressive things with her fan. Hmm? Like, she couldn't really flip it. 
It's hotter here than in Eau Claire, she said. <laughs> oh, no, the voice you've given Bernice. Uh-oh. Warren stifled a sigh and nodded. It might be for all he knew or cared. He wondered idly whether she was a poor conversationalist because she got no attention or got no attention because she was a poor conversationalist. Oh, this no, is so Bernice. mean. This is so mean. You going to be here much longer? He asked and then turned rather red. She might suspect his reasons for asking. Another week, she answered <laughs> and stared at him as if to lunge at his next remark when it came when it left his lips. Warren fidgeted. Then with a sudden charitable impulse, he decided to try the part of this line on her. He turned and looked at her eyes. Oh, no. You've got an awfully kissable mouth. Oh. He began quietly. This was a remark that he sometimes made to girls at college proms when they were talking in just half dark thing. Wait. When they were talking in just such half dark as this. Bernice, it distinctly jumped. She turned an ungraceful red and became clumsy with her fan. No one had ever made such a remark to her before. Oh, oh Bernice. Bernice. We are all Bernice. Fresh. The word had slipped out before she realized it, and she bit her lip. Too late, she decided to be amused and offered him a flustered smile. Warren was annoyed, though not accustomed to have that remark taken seriously. Still, it usually provoked a laugh or a paragraph of sentimental banter. And he hated to be called fresh, except in a joking way. His charitable impulse died, and he switched the topic. Charitable. Here, let me throw you a bone by offering to kiss you. Or if I just like cow. tell you that your, your mouth, mouth is, is kissable. And then she said Very fresh, weird. which it was a forward thing to say. Especially considering where they were before. Like, yeah, he has no romantic interest in her. Yeah. If somebody said that to me, you have a very kissable mouth. It'd be like, oh, God, you know what? I think I left something. <laughs> to go back and if someone to... said it to me, it depends on. The, I think it would probably be like, what did you say? Yeah. <laughs> I, like, why did you think that was appropriate? <laughs> I wouldn't want to find out why they thought that. <laughs> oh, no, I would try to embarrass them. Yeah, I know. Ryan okay. loves to make people repeat themselves oh, okay, until cool. they're like, oh, I see what I, I said to you. I see why you don't like what I said. I picture you just being like, I'm sorry? I'm sorry? What did you say? This, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You said I had a kissable what? mouth? <laughs> you think that. What did you want me to do with that? <laughs> How did you see this going? If they said it was to be charitable, then I would quietly leave. <laughs> Okay, um, okay, I have to uh, uh-huh. go to the uh, bathroom. And you have a very punchable dick. <laughs> Jim Strain and Ethel Dummerist sitting out as usual, he commented. This was more in Bernice's line, but a faint regret mingled with her relief as the subject changed. Men did not talk, about, talk to her about kissable mouths, but she knew that they talked in some such way to other girls. Oh, yes, she said and <laughs> laughed. I hear they've been mooning around for years without a red penny. Isn't it silly? <laughs> Warren's disgust increased. Oh, God. <laughs> he hates her more. He hates her more because she's, like, trying I to talk to him. with him. Oh, my God. Jim Stream was a close friend of his brother's. Oh, and no. Anyway, he considered it bad form to sneer at people for not having money. But Bernice had no intention of sneering. She was merely nervous. When Marjorie I like Br- that we're getting both of their yeah. sides. Yeah, I like that, too. That's interesting. When Marjorie and Bernice reached home at half after midnight, they said goodnight at the top of the stairs. Though cousins, they were not intimates. As a matter of fact, Marjorie had no female intimates. She considered girls stupid. Oh, oh no, she's one of those. I know exactly who this is. We've already talked about this type of girl. Yep. I drink whiskey and eat steak. Um, Fuck you for I liking really salad. Have any female friends? Because I am a bitch to them. <laughs> Women are just harder. 
Yeah. I hate that. Women just come with more drama. I'm just not about the drama. I'm just like not catty. So like I just don't like women that much. (laughs) Ugh. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Bernice, on the contrary, all through this parent-arranged visit, had rather longed to exchange those confidences flavored with giggles and tears that she considered an indispensable factor in all feminine intercourse. But in this respect, she found Marjorie rather cold, felt somehow the same difficulty in talking to her that she had in talking to men. Marjorie never giggled, was never frightened, seldom embarrassed, and in fact, had very few of the qualities which Bernice had considered appropriately and blessedly feminine. As Bernice busied herself with toothbrush and paste this night, she wondered for the hundredth time, she's like, oh, well, so like, busy. I'm so busy. Oh, wow. <laughs> Why she never had any attention when she was away from home. That her family were the wealthiest in Eau Claire. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Eau Claire? Eau Claire, but. Okay. Were the wealthiest in Eau Claire. That her mother entertained tremendously, gave little dinners for her daughter before all dances and bought her a car of her own to drive round in, never occurred to her as factors in her hometown social success. Ooh. Interesting. Mm, this is interesting. Bernice, you just got way more interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that she was. She doesn't know. Yeah. Yeah, she's had crutches. Yeah. She yeah. didn't have to have a personality in her old town. Like most girls, she'd been brought up on the warm milk prepared by Annie Fellows Johnston and on novels in which the female was beloved because of certain mysterious womanly qualities, always mentioned but never displayed. Bernice felt a vague pain that she was not at present engaged in being popular. She did not know that it had not been for Marjorie's, that had it not been for Marjorie's campaigning, she would have danced the entire evening with one man. But she knew that even in Eau Claire, other girls with less position and less pultritude, pulchritude, were given a much bigger rush. She attributed this to something slightly unscrupulous in those girls. It had never worried her. And if it had, her mother would have assured her that the other girls cheapened themselves and that men really respected girls like Bernice. She turned out the light in her bathroom and on an impulse decided to go in and chat for a moment with her Aunt Josephine, whose light was still on. Her soft slippers bore her noiselessly down the carpeted hall. But hearing voices inside, she stopped near the partly opened door. Uh Uh-oh. Then she caught her own name and without any definite intention of eavesdropping, lingered. And the thread of the conversation going on inside pierced her consciousness sharply as if it had been drawn oh, no. through with a needle. No. She's absolutely hopeless. It was Marjorie's voice. Oh, I know what you're going to say. So many people have told you how pretty and sweet she is and how she can cook. What of it? She has a bum time. Men don't like her. What's a little cheap popularity? Mrs. Harvey sounded annoyed. It's everything when you're 18 said Marjorie emphatically. I've done my best. I've been polite and I've made men dance with her, but they just won't stand being bored. When I think of that gorgeous coloring wasted on such a ninny and what (laughs) Martha Carey could do with it. Oh, there's no courtesy these days. (laughs) If only I could take my cousin's looks and give them to someone else. Yeah. (laughs) Martha is is more deserving. (laughs) So charitable. Mrs. Harvey's voice implied that modern situations were too much for her. When she was a girl, all young ladies who belonged to nice families had glorious times. Oh, man. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. He's fucking people. <laughs> He's fucking people. Well, said Marjorie, no girl can permanently bolster up a lame duck visitor because these days it's every girl for herself. I've even tried to drop her hints about clothes and things and she's been furious, giving me the funniest looks. She's sensitive enough to know that she's not getting away with much, but I'll bet she consoles herself by thinking that she's very virtuous and that I'm too gay and fickle and will come to a bad end. All unpopular girls think that way. <laughs> Sour grapes. Sarah Hopkins refers to Genevieve and Roberta and me as gardenia girls. Hi, <laughs> hey, we're well, the gardenia girls. <laughs> I'll bet she'd give 10 years of her life and her European education to be a gardenia girl and have three or four men fall in love with her and be cut in on every few feet at dances. It seems to me, interrupted Mrs. Harvey rather wearily, that you ought to be able to do something for Bernice. I and know she's that you're a little cunt. <laughs> it seems to me you're poor, a cunt. I know she's not very vivacious. Marjorie groaned. Vivacious? Good grief. I've never heard her say anything to a boy except that it's hot or the floor's crowded or that she's going to school in New York next year. Oh. What the fuck does she want her to talk about with strangers? Seriously. Sometimes she asks them what kind of car they have and tells them the kind she has. Thrilling. There was a short silence. And then Mrs. Harvey took up her refrain. All I know is that other girls not half so sweet and attractive get partners. Martha Carey, for instance, is stout and loud. And her mother is distinctly common. Roberta Dillon is so thin this year that she looks as though Arizona were the place for her. She's huh? dancing herself to death. Is that where skinny people live? <laughs> I think it's where they send sickly people for the dryness. Oh. <laughs> to like get <laughs> healthier? Yeah. It's like like please, dry air. Please put on some weight. Otherwise, we'll have to send you to Arizona. <laughs> I'm trying. But mother, objected Marjorie impatiently. Martha is cheerful and awfully witty and an awfully slick girl, and Roberta's a marvelous dancer. She's been popular for ages. Mrs. Harvey yawned. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, Mrs. Harvey. I think it's that crazy Indian blood in Bernice. Okay. Whoa. Whoa. Took a turn. Took a turn. Continued Marjorie. Maybe she's a reversion to type. Indian women all just sat around and never said anything. Oh, oh my God. God. Marjorie. Marjorie. Wow, Marjorie, 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 Marjorie. Go to bed, you silly child. Laughed <laughs> Mrs. Fine. Harvey. <laughs> I wouldn't have told you that if Go I thought. Go to bed, you racist child. <laughs> <laughs> if we got to the racist part of the evening, you must be sleepy. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, oh, somebody's tired. <laughs> I wouldn't have told you that if I thought you were going to remember it. And I think most of your ideas are perfectly idiotic. <laughs> Typically, I think you don't remember things. That is the most amazing thing to say to your daughter. I would never have told you that if I thought you'd remember. <laughs> there was another silence while Marjorie considered whether or not convincing her mother was worth the trouble. People over 40 can seldom be permanently convinced of anything. At Suck a dick, Marjorie. <laughs> Jesus Christ. At 18, our convictions are hills from which we look. At 45, there are caves in which we hide. Having decided this, Marjorie said goodnight. <laughs> How insightful, Marjorie. <laughs> when she came and out, Mrs. Into Harvey went, Well, I really messed up with that one. <laughs> Hope she'll, be, uh, she'll forget. I, good yeah. thing I have five others. <laughs> when she came out into the hall, it was quite empty. While Marjorie was breakfasting late next day, Bernice came down into the room with a rather formal good morning, sat down opposite, stared intently over, and slightly moistened her lips. What's on your mind? inquired Marjorie, rather puzzled. Bernice paused before she threw her hand grenade. <laughs> I heard what you said about me to your mother last night. Marjorie was startled, 
but she showed only a faintly heightened color, and her voice was quite even when she spoke. Where were you? In the hall. <laughs> I didn't mean to listen at first. After an involuntary this voice you've given her is <laughs> so sad. I like how honest she's being, though. I do like that she's being honest. After an involuntary look of contempt, Marjorie dropped her eyes and became very interested in balancing a stray cornflake on her finger. <laughs> Wait, on her finger? She's like, uh, like, that's not hard, Marjorie. <laughs> I guess I'd better go back to Eau Claire if I'm such a nuisance. Bernice's lower lip was trembling violently. Oh, no. And she continued on a wavering note. I'm trying to be nice. And I'm at first neglected and then insulted. No one ever visited me and got such treatment. Marjorie was silent. But I'm in the way, I see. I'm a drag on you. Your friends don't like me. New Bernice voice. (laughs) She paused and then remembered another one of her grievances. Of course I was furious last week when you tried to hint to me that my dress was unbecoming. Don't you think I know how to dress myself? No, murmured Marjorie. Oh, no! Less than half a Oh my God, Marjorie. You're a monster. What? She is. I didn't hint anything, said Marjorie succinctly. I said, as I remember, that it was better to wear a becoming dress three times straight than to alternate it with two frights. It's like that episode of The Simpsons where Marge keeps remaking that Chanel suit <laughs> so that she can keep going to the country club. <laughs> Do you think that was a very nice thing to say? I wasn't trying to be nice. Oh, God. <laughs> then after a pause, yeah, okay. when do you want to go? Bernice drew in her breath oh, sharply. Damn. Oh, it was a little half cry. Marjorie looked up in surprise. Didn't you say you were going? Oh, oh my God. My God. You're so cold. She, like, I had her at lowercase c no, cunt. Higher. But, but she has gone to uppercase C cunt to I think she might be all cap C cunt yeah. and climbing. She's like going to reach that K soon. Yeah. Yes, but. Oh, you're only bluffing. <gasps> oh, my God. OK, wait, maybe oh I like her. God, again. I think maybe I like her. <laughs> I am staunchly anti-Marjorie. <laughs> they stared at each other across the breakfast table for a moment. Misty waves were passing before Bernice's eyes. Oh, porn star. Oh, <laughs> Misty Waves. Well, <laughs> she's just like walking by. Oh, oh Misty Waves. Uh, Misty Waves were passing before Bernice's eyes while Marjorie's face wore that rather hard expression that she used when slightly intoxicated undergraduates were making love to her. Whoa. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> I know that making love meant like kissing, but still. slightly intoxicated and also she's stonewalling them too yeah Yeah. she's like lord so you were bluffing she repeated as if it were what she might have expected bernice admitted it by bursting into tears marjorie's eyes showed boredom you're my cousin sobbed bernice oh my god visiting you i was to stay a month and if i go home my mother will know and she'll wonder Marjorie waited until the shower of broken words collapsed into little sniffles. Wow. I'll give you my month's allowance, she said coldly. And you can spend this last week anywhere you want. There's a very nice hotel. Bernice's sobs rose to a fully (laughs) wound. And rising of a sudden, she left from the room. An hour later, while Marjorie was in the library, absorbed in composing one of those noncommittal, marvelously elusive letters that only a young girl can write, Bernice reappeared, very red-eyed and consciously calm. She cast no glance at Marjorie, but took a book at random from the shelf and sat down as if to read. 
Marjorie seemed absorbed in her letter and continued writing. When the clock showed noon, Bernice closed her book with a snap. I don't know if I can do Bernice as well as you. That's okay. Make up your own Bernice. Yeah, make your own Bernice. Make Bernice your own. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose I better get my railroad ticket. (laughs) This was not the beginning of the speech she had rehearsed upstairs. But as Marjorie was not getting her cues, wasn't urging her to be reasonable, it's all a mistake, it was the best opening she could muster. (sighs) Just wait until I finish this letter, said Marjorie without looking round. I want to get it off in the next mail. After another minute, during which her pen scratched busily, she turned around and relaxed with an air of, at your service. Oh, God. Again, Bernice had to speak. Do you want me to go home? <laughs> you already put yourself through this, Bernice. What like, are you doing? It's already done. She doesn't want... She's going to be a cunt again. She's, she was so mean before. She's only going to get meaner. Well, said Marjorie, considering, I suppose if you're not having a good time, you better go. No use being miserable. Don't you think common kindness... Oh, please, don't quote little women. Whoa! <laughs> Cried Marjorie impatiently. Oh, my God. If this were modern times, she would be like, what? I was just being honest. <laughs> That's how Marjorie would sound. Mm-hmm. That's so out of style. You Oof. think so? Heavens, yes. What modern girl could live like those inane females? Oh, wow. They were the models for our mothers. Marjorie, oh, no. Bernice, you're so embarrassing. No, you just are stop. digging a hole. Just leave. Marjorie laughed. Our monies. <laughs> yes, they were. Not. Whoa, 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 whoa. Is this and the beginning like, of not? Psych. And she's like, radica. Besides, our mothers were all very well in their way, but they know very little about their daughter's problems. Bernice drew herself up. Please don't talk about my mother. Wow. Marjorie laughed. I don't think I mentioned her. Bernice felt that she was being led away from her subject. Do you think that you've treated me very well? <laughs> I've done my best. Also, like, no, she is no. fine with being mean to you. And she will keep being mean because you were bluffing. You're rather hard material to work with. Oh, my Ouch. God. The lids of Bernice's eyes, Bernice's eyes reddened. Oh, I think you're hard and selfish and you have an, a feminine quality in you. <laughs> All right, oh my yeah. lord! Yeah. Regular, regular Enid. Yeah. <laughs> oh my lord! Cried Marjorie in desperation. You little nut! <laughs> <laughs> I want to call someone that. You little nut! Girls like you are responsible for all the tiresome, colorless marriages, all those ghastly inefficiencies that pass as feminine qualities. Whoa! Whoa! Inefficiencies. Oh shit! Okay. <laughs> What a blow it must be when a man with imagination marries the beautiful bundle of clothes that he's been building ideals around and finds that she's just a weak, whining, cowardly mass of affectations. What? My face right now. I am scandalized. <laughs> this is crazy. This is I'm so scandalized. cruel. I, have, I, have, I don't think I've ever seen anyone be this mean. No, ever. I definitely Like, I've never not. read it. I've never, like, outright physical bullying yeah. or, like, like... Like, like in murder. two seconds, she's about to start flinging tampons at yeah. Carrie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bernice's mouth had slipped half open. The womanly woman, continued, continued Marjorie. Her whole life is, her whole early life is occupied in whining criticisms of girls like me who really do have a good time. 
Bernice's jaw descended further as Marjorie's voice rose. (laughs) There's some excuse for an ugly girl whining. If I'd been irretrievably ugly, I'd never have forgiven my parents for bringing me into the world. Oh, my God. God. She's like the commenter on YouTube saying, like, your mom should have had an abortion. Like, go kill yourself. (laughs) Oh, my God. But if you're starting life without any handicap, Marjorie's little fist clenched. She's like so mad. She's so mad. Her little fist. If oh, you, she's small because she, she remember yeah, at his elbow. Yeah. yeah. So her she's little tiny, tiny fist. fist. Yeah. Kick her in the face, Bernice. <laughs> <laughs> you can take her. If you expect me to weep with you, you'll be disappointed. Go or stay, just as you like. And picking up her letters, she left the room. She left her knees in the room. <laughs> in her own me. house. I have some correspondence to finish. <laughs> Oh, no. Um, Bernice claimed a headache and failed to appear at luncheon. They had a matinee date for the afternoon, but the headache persisting. Marjorie made explanation to a not very downcast boy. Oh. (laughs) But when she returned late in the afternoon, she found Bernice with a strangely set face waiting for her in her bedroom. Oh, my God. Just leave. I've decided, began Bernice without preliminaries. No. That maybe you're right about things. What? Possibly not. Wrong message. <laughs> Possibly <laughs> not. Okay. Okay. All right. But if you'll tell me why your friends aren't aren't interested in me, I'll, I'll see if I can do what you want me to. Oh, God. Marjorie was at the mirror shaking down her hair. Do you mean it? Yes. Without reservations. Will you do exactly what I say? Oh, no. Boy. She's well, going to bob herself, you yeah, guys. She's going to bob it. going to be great. <laughs> well, I... Well, nothing. Will you do exactly what I say? Oh, my God. If this is, like, on the edge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do all this coke. Yeah, yeah. do more. <laughs> do I'm going to smush your face in coke. <laughs> That's a reference to yeah. our Teen Creeps episode that is also going up this week, just so everyone knows. <laughs> oh, will you do exactly what I... You will, will you do exactly as I say? If they're sensible things, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> You're no case for sensible things. Whoa. Are you going to make... To recommend... Yes, Everything. If I tell you to take boxing lessons, you'll have to do it. <laughs> Write home and tell your mother you're going to stay another two weeks. <gasps> what? If if you'll tell me. All right. I'll just give you a few examples now. First, you have no ease of manner. Why? Because you're never sure about your personal appearance. When a girl feels that she's perfectly groomed and dressed, she can forget that part of her. That's charm. <laughs> That's charm. The more parts of yourself you can afford to forget, the more charm you have. <laughs> Marjorie sucks. Don't I look all right? Oh no! Don't ask her that. <laughs> Why are you setting she yourself up? She just suggested, "Hey, that no, oh, an extreme makeover." <laughs> what do you think the answer is? She's gonna say no. No, fuck no. <laughs> like straight up no. 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 <laughs> <laughs> For instance, you never take care of your eyebrows. They're black and lustrous, but by leaving them straggly, they're a blemish. They'd be beautiful if you just take care of them in one-tenth the time you you take doing nothing. Um, I mean, we're going to have to check take the math, math on that. <laughs> you're, gonna brush them. you're going to brush them so they'll grow straight. Bernice raised the brows in question. These? You mean me? Do you mean to say that men notice eyebrows? 
Oh my oh. God, Bernice. I don't know. Maybe Bernice does no, need this No, I think Bernice help. needs this help. <laughs> I think the moral of the story is not what we think it is. Bernice, <laughs> they're on your fucking face. Of course, people they're notice. On your face. They, they're right Bernice, there. They're Bernice. on your fucking face. <laughs> Some would say they're like the uh, the curtains of the face. Oh yeah. <laughs> And because your eyes are the windows to your soul, uh-huh, they're right. like the curtains of the soul. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's what they're blinds say. that are always yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> she is what she is essentially saying right now is Bernice, fix your face. Yeah. Yep. She's like the face. It's got to go. No. Uh, but do men notice their eyebrows? Yes. yes. Subconsciously. And when you go home, you ought to have your teeth straightened a little. Whoa. It's <gasps> almost imperceptible still. But I thought interrupted Bernice in bewilderment. That you despise little dainty feminine things like that. I hate dainty minds, answered Marjorie. Oh, shit. But a girl (laughs) has throwing (laughs) down. Yeah. Like, even when she's like being nice, she's still (laughs) abusing her. I I despise dainty minds. (laughs) Is she being nice? Not really. No, she's, I mean, she needs to hear the thing about the eyebrows. She does. The teeth thing is out of line. No, so out of line. And the, the line, I despise dainty minds, is badass, but so mean <laughs> right so now. Mean. It's so mean in this context. She may decide uh, hate dainty minds, but, but a girl has to be dainty in person. If she looks like a million dollars, she Ooh. can talk about Russia, ping pong, or the League of Nations and get away with it. She playing the game. <laughs> what else? <laughs> <laughs> oh. What else? <laughs> Oh, I'm just beginning. Oh, no. There's your dancing. What? Don't I dance all right? Oh, Bernice, no. Bernice, stop asking. Stop asking. Just say, no. okay, what next? Oh, boy. She's like, no. got it. Making a list. <laughs> Checking it twice. No, you don't. <laughs> you burnt. <laughs> you basic. You lean on a man. Yes, you do. Ever so slightly. I noticed when we were dancing together yesterday, and you dance standing up straight instead of bending over a little. Probably some old lady on the sideline once who told you that it looks so dignified that way. But except with a very small girl, it's it's much harder on the very, man. Very small, like like Marjorie. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> like me. Yeah. Like me. <laughs> me. Um, it's much harder on the man, and he's the one that counts. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Go on. No, oh, no. <laughs> All right. Well, we're we're getting better. Didn't ask her a question. Okay. Bernice's brain was reeling. <laughs> Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, you've you've got to learn to be nice to men who are sad birds. You look you look as if you'd be insulted whenever you're thrown with any except the most popular boys. Why, Bernice, I'm cut in on every few feet. And who does most of it? Why, those very sad birds. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I'm pity dancing. <laughs> no girl can afford to neglect them. Wow. They're the big part of any crowd. She's a real Scarlett O'Hara over here. Mm -hmm. Young boys too shy to talk are the very best conversational practice. (laughs) Clumsy boys are the best dancing practice. If you can follow them and yet look graceful, you can follow a baby tank across a button. (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) Sorry. If you can follow them and yet look graceful, you can follow a baby tank across a barbed wire skyscraper. I'm what? sorry. Okay, she, Marjorie, uh, Marjorie, Marjorie tank. Tank fell apart <laughs> across a barbed wire skyscraper. <laughs> what is she talking about? I feel like she hasn't seen any of those things alone. Maybe she ever. hasn't been to a city. I, I guess she's just 
picturing a tank climbing up a skyscraper that has barbed wire, wire at the top. Okay. Uh, I was going to say that that's uh, sort of the good improv advice that you get. Like, mm-hmm. play with Seek bad, out players bad players. Because no, it's then true. you have to get better. Yeah, that's why you so, uh She's right, is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem, is all her advice is almost good. Yeah, it is almost good. It's helpful good. and so mean. It's so mean. <laughs> it's so mean. <clears throat> Bernice sighed profoundly. But Marjorie was not through. <laughs> no, oh, no. No, she wasn't. If you go to a dance and really amuse, say, three sad birds that dance with you, if you talk so well to them that they forget they're stuck with you, you've done something. They'll come back <laughs> next time. And gradually, so many sad birds will dance with you that the attractive boys will see. And there's no danger of being stuck. Then they'll dance with you. Wow. She's Whoa. got a real game plan when it's she goes a long to a party. Con. Yeah. Especially because she's a little... Magic bewilder mouth. Yeah. So like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She had to use this plan. I, I don't. I guess that's how she got there. Yeah. She she became a magic bewilder mouth by talking to all the the like dud boys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then dancing with the dud boys. And that goes back to the, it's the worst thing if boys don't cut in because yes. then you're stuck dancing. So then it's like, oh, well, so many boys want to dance with yeah. her. I want to know what that's about. Yeah. You fucking easy. She's creating. She's creating demand. Yeah. She's creating. creating, Yeah. And when she was saying like talking about the League of Nations in Russia, I think she's secretly smart. That's what she's saying. I think she is. Then they don't care if you're not like, quote unquote, womanly. Yeah. Then you can talk politics. Because you're like fucking hot. (laughs) Because everybody wants you. I'm fucking hot. Let's talk Tolstoy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, agreed Bernice, faintly. I think I begin to see. (laughs) I think she's got it. (laughs) I think she's got it. (laughs) And finally, concluded Marjorie, poison charm will just come. You'll wake up some morning knowing you've attained it. And men will know it too. Bernice rose. It's been awfully kind of you. But no, no, it's not the word. (laughs) It's not the word. No, Bernice, (laughs) you're being gaslighted. This is horrible. But nobody's ever talked to me like this before. And I feel sort of startled. (laughs) Startled? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for (laughs) eyebrows. Marjorie made no answer, but gazed pensively at her own image in the mirror. (laughs) (laughs) She just looks at herself. (laughs) You're a peach to help me. No, no. No, she isn't. continued Bernice. Still, Marjorie did not answer, and Bernice thought she had seemed too grateful. I know you don't like sentiment, she said timidly. Marjorie turned to her quickly. Oh, I wasn't thinking about that. I was considering whether we had better bob your hair. Bernice collapsed backward on the bed. (laughs) Bernice clutched her heart. She had eaten a candy bar earlier and was at risk of a heart attack. She couldn't take another scare. (sighs) Oh my. On the following Wednesday evening, there was a dinner dance at the country club. When the guests strolled in, Bernice found her place card with a slight feeling of irritation. Though at her right sat G. Reese Stoddard, a most desirable and distinguished young bachelor, the all-important left held only Charlie Paulson. Ugh. Ugh. Charlie Charlie lacked height, beauty, and social shrewdness. And in her new enlightenment, Bernie decided that his only qualification to be her partner was that he had never been stuck with her. But this feeling of irritation left with the last of the soup plates, and Marjorie's specific instruction came to her. Swallowing her pride, she turned to Charlie Paulson and plunged. 
Do you think I ought to bob my hair, Mr. Charlie Paulson? <laughs> Mr. Oh my God, Charlie Paulson! His name was Robert Paulson. <laughs> Charlie looked up in surprise. Why? <laughs> <laughs> because I'm considering it. It's such a sure and easy way of attracting attention. Oh my God! Wow! Don't admit it. Don't That's so embarrassing, no. mm. <laughs> Mr. Charlie Paulson. This is Paulson. gonna make it, <laughs> Mr. Charlie Paulson. Charlie smiled pleasantly. He could not know this had been rehearsed. He replied that he didn't know much about bobbed hair, but Bernice was there to tell him. I want to be a society vampire, you see. Whoa. What? What? What does that mean? Misguided. (laughs) This is so embarrassing. This is so embarrassing. I hope that the guy on the other side doesn't hear this. (laughs) Me too. I'm thinking back to her saying, I hope he can't tell this is rehearsed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she probably practiced That's all this. i'm just thinking of yeah like yeah. i'm i'm trying to see ahead and i'm i have some theories about what's coming but i'm oh. probably oh. not right i'm probably not i have right. no theories probably not right i think she's gonna probably very straightforward but um i want to be a society vampire you see she announced coolly and went on to inform him that bobbed hair was a necessary prelude she huh. added that she wanted to ask about. I'm sorry. She added that he wanted that she wanted to ask his advice because she had heard he was so critical about girls. Wait, Whoa. what? Is she like reverse negging him? She's yeah, reversed, I think yeah. so. Charlie, who knew as much about the psychology of women as he did of the mental states of Buddhist contemplators, <laughs> <laughs> felt vaguely flattered. She is. Oh, she's she's negging she's, him. She's nagging him. Holy like, shit! Hey, you're a dick. Uh, <laughs> I can really use your advice. <laughs> So I've decided, she continued, her voice rising slightly, that early next week, I'm going down to the Sevier, Sevier Hotel barbershop, sit in the first chair and get my hair bobbed. She faltered, noticing that the people near her had paused in conversation and were listening. But after a confused second, Marjorie's coaching told, and she finished her paragraph to the vicinity at large. Of course, I'm charging admission, but if you'll all come down and encourage me, I'll issue passes for the inside seats. Oh, a joke mm. from Bernice. Cool. Hmm. There Say was the a- joke for the audience. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> there was a ripple of appreciative laughter, and under cover of it, G. Reese Stoddard. Oh, boy on the right. Okay. Leaned over and quickly <gasps> and said close to her ear. <laughs> what? No, what does he say? Oh, no. What is he? What does he say? What? Is- what? What does he say? Right. Wait. What? Right. Right. Wait. What does he say? What does he say? What does he say? What did he say? Whatever the fuck. Jay Stoddard. What did he say? I'll take a box right now. Shit! I'll take a box right now. Right now? That's what he said. Ew! He whispered that in her ear. Yeah. Right. Close to her ear. Wow. She met his eyes and smiled as if he had said something surpassingly brilliant. Do you believe in Bob Dare? Wait. Asked, asked G. Reese <laughs> in the same the undertone. <laughs> I think it's unmoral, affirmed Bernice gravely. But of course, you've either got to amuse people or feed them or shock them. What? <laughs> okay. Okay. Marjorie had called this from Oscar Wilde. Oh. It was greeted with a ripple of laughter from the men and a series of quick, intent look from, looks from the girls. And then, as though she had said nothing of wit or moment, Bernice turned again to Charlie and spoke confidentially in his ear. Oh, nice. Nice. She's putting those she's guys negging in. Jay Stoddard. Yeah, nice. Always neg the guys. Always neg the guys. I want to ask your opinion of several people. 
I imagine you're a wonderful judge of character. What people? <laughs> well, that's what she's about to get yeah. the list from. Yeah. Me. Charlie thrilled faintly, paid her a subtle compliment by overturning her water. He got nervous. Wait, he got nervous. Oh, he got nervous. I see. He's like, <laughs> she was like, ah, I'm startled. <laughs> Two hours later, while Wa- Warren McIntyre, oh, he's back, oh. was standing passively in the stag line, abstractedly watching the dancers and wondering whither and with whom Marjorie had disappeared, an unrelated perception began to creep slowly upon him. Mm, he's per- going to be floored by a perception her. that Bernice, cu- cousin to Marjorie, had been cut in on several times in the past five minutes. They are so motherfucking predictable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, he's just sensing this. He's <laughs> like, I, there's been movement over in this direction. He's like, he like smells it in the air. He's like, he stops mid sip and he's like, I, did you hear that? It's the sound of little footsteps around Bernice. Cutting, <laughs> it's cutting in. Pitter patter. He closed his eyes, opened them, and looked again. Several minutes back, she had been dancing with a visiting boy, a matter easily accounted for. Mm -hmm. A visiting boy would know no better. But now she was dancing with someone else. And there was Charlie Paulson heading with her for her with some enthusiasm, determination (laughs) in his eye. Oh, he's cutting. Ah, yeah. Funny. Charlie seldom danced with more than three girls in an evening. Warren was distinctly surprised when, the exchange having been affected, the man relieved proved to be none other than G. Reese Stoddard himself. Boxy. G. Reese Stoddard. And G. Yeah. Reese seemed not at all jubilant G. at Reese being Boxy released. Stoddard. <laughs> <laughs> Take this Boxy right now. <laughs> right now? I don't know. No, I don't know. <sighs> The next time Bernice danced near, Warren regarded her intently. <laughs> yes. You asshole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's monsters. <laughs> yes, she was pretty, distinctly pretty. And tonight her face seemed really vivacious. Wait, oh, are those two eyebrows I see? <laughs> <laughs> Subconsciously, I think I I'm noticing them. eyebrows. <laughs> she had that look that no woman, however histronically proficient, can sufficiently... Counter- counterfeit. She looked mm. wrong. <laughs> That's exactly what she's doing. Yeah. She looked as if she was having a good time. Oh, nice. Having fun. He liked the way she had her hair arranged. Wondered if it was a brilliantine that made it glisten so. And that dress was becoming a dark red that set off her shadowy eyes and high coloring. Wait, are her breasts larger? <laughs> Is her waist thinner? Her hips more childbearing. <laughs> <laughs> He remembered that he had thought her pretty when she first came to town before he'd realized that she was dull. Mm. <laughs> right, 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 right. Too bad she was dull. Oh. Dull girls, unbearable. Certainly pretty, though. Mm. His thoughts zigzagged back to Marjorie. The disappearance would be like other disappearances. When she d- reappeared, he would demand where she had been, would be told emphatically that it was none of his business. Mm. <laughs> I mean, she's very upfront with Mr. Warren. No, here. she's been. I know. She hasn't been hiding anything. What a pity she was so sure of him. She basked in the knowledge that no other girl in town interested him. She defied him to fall in love with Genevieve or Roberta. Oh, fuck yeah, fall in love with yeah. Bernice. Fuck Bernice. Yes. I hope she is cruel to him. I hope she rots in hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Marjorie. Marjorie. Yeah, okay. I hope Bernice 
I don't know. Yeah, I had fun in New York at school. Yeah. (laughs) Warren sighed. The way to Marjorie's affection was a labyrinth indeed. (laughs) He looked up. Bernice was again dancing with a visiting boy. What? It's all these visiting boys. <laughs> Who are these? Where are they visiting from? Where are all these rogue boys coming from? <laughs> Wild boys! <laughs> the women on the balcony are like, no! Ah, there's more boys! <laughs> Half unconsciously. Oh. Like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> like in a sleeping state. Yes. He took a step out from the stag line in her direction Whoa. and hesitated. Then he said to himself that it was Charity. He walked toward her, collided suddenly with G. Reese Stoddard. Oh, God. Pardon me, said Warren. But G. G. Reese had not stopped to apologize. (laughs) He had again cut in on Bernice. Oh, my God. Dang. Get it, girl. That night at one o'clock, Marjorie, with one hand on the electric light switch in the hall, had turned to take a last look at Bernice's sparkling eyes. So it worked? Oh, Marjorie, yes. No, no. Cried Bernice. I saw you were having a gay time. (laughs) Now you're worthy of my friendship. (laughs) I did. The only trouble was that about midnight I ran short of talk. I had to repeat myself with different men, of course. I hope they won't compare notes. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Men don't, said Marjorie, (laughs) yawning. And it wouldn't matter if they did. They'd think you were even trickier. <laughs> she snapped out the light, and as Snap, Marjorie, <laughs> and as they started up the stairs, Bernice grasped the banister. Thankfully, for the first time in her life, she had been danced tired. Wow, <laughs> rode hard, put away yeah. wet. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you see, said Marjorie at the top of the stairs. One man sees another man cut in, and he thinks there must be something there. Well, we'll fix up some new stuff tomorrow. <laughs> Good night. Good night. (laughs) Is there still more story? Oh my god. We she hasn't bobbed her hair yet. Okay. As Bernice took down her hair. Yeah, she really hasn't. (laughs) Yeah. She passed the evening before her in review. She had followed instructions exactly. Even when Charlie Paulson cut in for the eighth time, she had simulated delight and had apparently been both interested and flattered. She had not talked about the weather or Eau Claire or automobiles or her school, but had confined her conversation to me, you, and us. But a few minutes before she fell asleep, a rebellious thought was churning drowsily in her brain. After all, it was she who had done it. Marjorie, to be sure, had given her her conversation, but then Marjorie got much of her conversation out of things she read. Bernice had bought the red dress. Sorry. Bernice had... Flicked on me, had bought the red dress, though she had never valued it highly before Marjorie dug it out of her trunk, and her own voice had said the words, her own lips had smiled, her own feet had danced. Marjorie, nice girl, vain though, nice evening, nice boys, like Warren, 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 what's his name? Warren, she fell asleep. <laughs> Ooh, with- she fell asleep with Warren on the brain, Ooh. his name on her lips. <clears throat> I mean, is it like plagiarism? To talk about things you read? No. I think that's like pretty reasonable uh, yeah. for Marjorie to talk about stuff that she read. Yeah. And if she's just saying like, I can read things. <laughs> but you did it. Yeah. Girl, read a thing. To Bernice, the next week was a revelation. Yeah. With the feeling that people really enjoyed looking at her and listening to her came the foundation of self-confidence. Of course, there were numerous mistakes at first. 
She did not know, for instance, that Draycott Deo, what is this, fucking Harry Potter? Draycott <laughs> Deo was studying for the ministry. She was unaware that he cut in on her because he thought she was a quiet, reserved girl. Had she known these things, <laughs> oh, no, what she did would she not do? have treated him to the line. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, shit. Which began, hello, shell shock. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> and continued with the bathtub story. Takes a frightful lot of energy to fix my hair in the summer. There's so much of it. So I always fix it first and powder my face and put on my hat. Then I get into the bathtub and dress afterward. Don't you think that's the best plan? What? Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> She's, talking- She's getting a good at this. Oh my She's going to get better than Marjorie at this. Honestly, I, um, I, hope, I think that will happen. She is Marjorie's fucking downfall. I think she might. Maybe Marjorie's think- going to kill her. Dang, I hope so. I think she steals Warren away and Marjorie flips her shit. Maybe Marjorie drowns in the pool. <clears throat> oh, you know what? Um, she gets really mad and while he's like driving <laughs> right he's under driving a billboard Bernie. with like glasses. <laughs> yeah, and he just <laughs> blocks right over. <laughs> though Drake, though Draycott, I was going to say Draco Malfoy. Mm-hmm. Though Draycott Deo was in the throes of difficulties concerning baptism by immersion and might possibly have seen a connection, it must be admitted that he did not. He considered feminine bathing an immoral subject and gave her some of his ideas on the depravity of modern society. Oh, I'm what sorry. A drag. Do you not dancing? want us to bathe? Ugh. You don't want us to bathe. No, but he doesn't, me, he doesn't Draycott Deo. He doesn't want you to talk me. to single men about it. Yeah. Ew. I mean, I, I agree yeah, he's wrong. <laughs> oh, okay, I thought you agreed with him for a second. I was like, No, Whoa. I'm not on Draco's side. Ever. <laughs> Team Draco. But to offset that unfortunate <laughs> Team Draco. <laughs> but to offset the unfortunate occurrence, Bernice had several signal successes to her credit. Little Otis or Mond pleaded off from a trip east and elected instead to follow her with a puppy like devotion. Is it just me or is there like 50 people with the last name Ormond? In this story, it does well, seem that like way. Southern French. No, it's always been Otis, though. Oh. Always Otis. Isn't wasn't there a girl? She's Ormond? from Eau Claire. But there was a girl Ormond. Oh, I thought there was, was an Ormond at the very beginning. Yeah, very very beginning. But it maybe it was Otis, and we I thought oh, it was Otis. Otis. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. Follow her with a puppy like devotion to the amusement of his crowd and to the irritation of G. Reese Stoddard, several of whose afternoon calls Otis completely ruined by the disgusting tenderness of the glances he bent on Bernice. Gross. Gross. <laughs> he even told her the story of the two by four in the dressing room to show her, whoa, to show her how frightfully mistaken he and everyone no. else had been in their what? first no. judgment. Why would he tell her that? Wow. Wow, no, Otis. Do never tell Bad those stories. Move. No, that's Mm-mm. not like a, she's not going to be like, oh, how fun. That was fucking stupid. Okay. Stupid. Bernice laughed off that incident with a slight sinking sensation. Oh, oh my God. That's your heart, Bernice. Oh. Of all Bernice's conversation, perhaps the best known and most universally approved was the line about the bobbing of her hair. Oh, Bernice, when are you going to get the hair bobbed? Day after tomorrow, maybe, she would reply laughing. Will you come and see me? Because I'm counting on you, you know. She has a completely different voice now, I think. Than yeah, you know. yeah, no, yeah no, she's, she's very okay, fun. Okay, okay. Cosmopolitan. <laughs> and Marjorie Will made we? her change it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Will we? You know, but you better hurry up. Bernice, whose tonsorial intentions were strictly dishonorable. Tonsorial? Tonsorial? Is that like related to your tonsils? Oh. Might be. I don't know. Strictly dishonorable would laugh again. Pretty soon now, you'd be surprised. But perhaps. Oh, I hope she cuts off Marjorie's. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> or Marjorie gets a bob, and everyone's like, "Ooh, that's unflattering." <laughs> that does not look good mm, on you. You do not have the face shape. <laughs> But perhaps the most significant symbol of her success was the gray car of the hypercritical Warren McIntyre parked daily in front of the Harvey house. At first, the parlor maid was distinctly startled when he asked for Bernice instead oh, of Marjorie. Oh, shit. Uh-oh. After a week of it, she told the cook that Miss Bernice had got a hold of Miss Marjorie's best fella. Oh, my God. And Miss Bernice had. Perhaps it began with Warren's desire to rouse jealousy in Marjorie. Perhaps it was the familiar, though unrecognized, strain of Marjorie and Bernice's conversation. Perhaps it was both of these, and something of sincere attraction besides. But somehow, the collective mind of the younger set knew within a week that Marjorie's most reliable beau had made an amazing about, or I was going to say the more normal one, an amazing face about. Oh, what? (laughs) A face about. One of those face about. And was giving an indisputable rush to Marjorie's guest. The question of the moment was how Marjorie would take it. Warren called Bernice on the phone twice a day, sent her notes, and they were frequently seen together in his roadster, obviously engrossed in one of those tense, significant conversations as to whether or not he was sincere. Oh. Marjorie, on being twitted, only laughed. Twitted, nice. Twitted, nice. <laughs> Don't twit me. Don't twit me. She said she was mighty glad that Warren had found it, had at last found someone who appreciated him. So the younger set laughed, too, and guessed that Marjorie didn't care and let it go at that. Lies. Lies. She cares. She cares. She cares. Sex and videotape. (laughs) One afternoon, when there were only three days left of her visit, Bernice was waiting in the hall for Warren, with whom she was going to a bridge party. Boring. She was in rather a blissful mood, and when Marjorie, also bound for the party, appeared beside her and began casually to adjust her hat in the mirror, Bernice was utterly unprepared for anything in the nature of a clash. Whoa. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Marjorie did her work very coldly and succinctly in three sentences. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. What are these sentences? Here they come, you guys. You may as well get Warren out of your head, she said coldly. What? Bernice was un- utterly astounded. You may as well stop making a fool of yourself or over Warren McIntyre. He doesn't care a snap of his fingers about you. For a tense moment, they regarded each other. Marjorie's scornful, aloof. Bernice astounded, half angry, half afraid. Then two cars drove up in front of the house, and there was a riotous honking. Both of them gasped faintly, turned, and side by side hurried out. All through the bridge party, Bernice strove in vain to master a rising uneasiness. Oh, no. She had offended Marjorie, the sphinx of sphinxes. (laughs) (laughs) With the most wholesome and innocent intentions in the world, she had stolen Marjorie's property. Oh, man, I thought it was a con. Yeah. She felt suddenly and horribly guilty. After the bridge game, when they sat in an informal circle and the conversation became general, the storm gradually broke. Little Otis Ormond inadvertently precipitated it. When are you going back to kindergarten, Otis? Someone had asked. Me? The day Bernice gets her hair bobbed. Then your education's over, said Marjorie quickly. Snap. That's only a bluff of hers. I should think you'd have realized. That a fact? demanded Otis, giving giving Bernice a reproachful glance. Bernice's ears burned as she... Tried to think up an effectual comeback. In the face of this direct ta- attack, her imagination was paralyzed. There's a lot of bluffs in this world. Oh my God. Marjorie. Is quite she going to bob her hair like in that room? I should think you'd be young enough to know that, Otis. Well, said Otis, maybe so, but gee, with a line like Bernice's. Oh, really? yawned Marjorie. What's her latest bonmont? No one. Bonmont? Bonmont. 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 Bon bon. Bon. Isn't it bun? Bon. 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 I have no bon. idea. 
I was trying C'est to be bon. cool about it. Bon mot. Bon mot. Bon mot. Bon 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 I think. We did uh, it, you guys. Yeah, We're yeah. very cultured <laughs> and great. <sighs> no one seems to know. In fact, Bernice, having trifled with her muse's bow, had said nothing remarkable of late. Or, sorry, had said nothing memorable of late. Ouch. Was that really all a line? Asked Roberta cautiously. Bernice hesitated. She felt that wit in some form was demanded of her, but under her cousin's suddenly frigid eyes, she was completely incapacitated. Oh my God, no. I don't know, she stalled. Splush, said Marjorie. Admit it. (laughs) Splush? Splush. Splush. Bernice saw that Warren's eyes had left a ukulele he had been tinkering with and were fixed I'm on sorry, her what? questioningly. He was tinkering oh, he was with tinkering. a uke. He was playing on yeah, it oh, okay. the whole time. Yeah, I was not picturing that. Me neither. Would have liked to yeah. know that before. <laughs> we could have used that up top, F. Scott. <laughs> oh, I don't know, she repeated steadily. Her cheeks were glowing. Splush, remarked Marjorie. <laughs> oh my God. Splush. I'm going to say that from now on. Yeah, please do. Splash. Come through, Bernice, urged Otis. Tell her where to get off. Bernice looked round again. She seemed unable to get away from Warren's eyes. I like Bob's hair, she said hurriedly, as if he had asked her a question, and I intend to bob mine. When? demanded Marjorie. Anytime. No time like the present, suggested (gasps) Roberta. Otis jumped to his feet. Good stuff, he cried. We'll have a summer bobbing party. Sevier Hotel Barbershop, I think he said. In an instant, all were on their feet. Bernice's heart throbbed violently. What? she gasped. Out of the group came Marjorie's voice, very clear and contemptuous. Don't worry, she'll back out. Come on, Bernice, cried Otis, starting toward the door. Four eyes, Warren's and Marjorie's, stared at her, challenged her, defied her. For another second, she wavered wildly. All right, she said swiftly, I don't care if I do. An eternity of minutes later, riding downtown through the late afternoon beside Warren, the others following in Roberta's car close behind, Bernice had all the sensations of Marie Antoinette bound for the guillotine in a tumbrel. Are they going to get in a car accident? No, I think she's going to have to get a fucking bob. No. Oh, I thought maybe her head was going to get cut off somehow. No. Yeah, be I just really hope be this, awesome. this doubles back on Marjorie. If this doesn't end with Marjorie getting her due, fuck F. Scott Fitzgerald. I think it might end up with Warren and Marjorie together. And yeah. Yeah, I think it might end with that and Bernice being sad. Because yeah. I think Warren's going to be like, you know what? You're just cruel enough for me to love. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like she's going to get her hair bobbed and it's going to be so anticlimactic and everyone's going to be like, oh, okay. Oh, and then yeah. she won't have another line. She's also going to have to go home. Her yeah. mom is not going to like this. Yeah. You guys, I'm so nervous. Okay. Okay. okay, okay Why okay, are all go. these stories so stressful? <laughs> Vaguely, she wondered why she did not cry out that it was all a mistake. It was all she could do to keep from clutching her hair with both hands to protect it from the suddenly hostile world. Yet she did neither. Even the thought of her mother was no deterrent now. This was the test supreme of her sportsmanship, her right to walk unchallenged in the starry heaven of popular girls. Warren was moodily silent, and when they came to the hotel, he drew up at the curb and nodded to Bernice to precede him out. Roberta's car emptied a laughing crowd into the shop, which presented two bold plate glass windows to the street. Bernice stood on the curb and looked at the sign, Sevier Barbershop. It was a guillotine indeed, and the hangman was the first barber who, attired in a white coat and smoking a cigarette, leaned nonchalantly against the first chair. He must have heard of her. He must have been waiting all week, smoking eternal okay. cigarettes beside that portentous, <laughs> right, Bernice, you're not too often mentioned yeah. first chair. <laughs> he they, must have, when he was born, been told of the name, Bernice, Bernice. <laughs> One day you shall... 
rend her hair from her head. <laughs> rend it. <laughs> <laughs> would they blindfold her? No, but they would tie a white cloth around her neck, lest any of her blood. Nonsense. Hair should get on her clothes. Okay. Did people She's like- flipping out. So maybe I don't know how his about history. Uh-huh. Did women just never get hair cut? Yeah, they didn't get their the hair cut that before. short for sure. But that they was didn't like, go to a salon either. I don't know. Cuz she's Probably acting not, like because yeah, if she's, you never cut your hair, you never cut okay. your hair. Yeah, and if you just get your hair Only trimmed, men go to barbers. Yeah. And if you just get your hair trimmed, you're like having your servant person do so it. So when did they only salon have hair stylists? Like 50s? I think 40s. Because people had sets. Yeah. Yeah, people had sets. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) We've settled it with um, us not actually having any knowledge. Yeah. Great. (laughs) We know stuff. Yes. Some, like, we know, like, three things. Yeah. We know stuff. All right, Bernice, said Warren quickly. With her chin in the air, she crossed the sidewalk, pushed Mm. open the swinging screen door, and giving not a glance to the uproarious, riotous row that had occupied the waiting bench, went up to the first barber. I want you to bob my hair. The first barber's mouth slid somewhat open. His cigarette dropped to the floor. <laughs> Apparently, this was this super big shocking. Deal. Yeah. And then the police came. Wow. And then the police came <laughs> and they put her in jail. Yeah. And she became the first stand-up female comic. <laughs> Anybody watching Marvelous? I, no, I got it. <laughs> I just didn't have a tag. So I just... It's fine. Um, it is aggressively fine. It's aggressively Lenny fine. Bruce. And then yeah. you think maybe they're going to have an affair. And so you stop watching the show because you're like, I don't. I don't think they are. I don't want it, them to. Oh, I do. Oh, you do? Otherwise, I don't care. I don't, I don't like married people sleeping with them. Oh, what? Yeah. I love it. I know. You, I, I can tell <laughs> I that about that, you. I love that and I love incest. Incest. Oh, my God. If married people have incest with each other. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like uh, a brother. Oh, and it's like double incest where it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, brothers and sisters. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. Like we twins, talking some marrying Game of twins, shit. then oh, fucking yeah. each other's twin marriage twins <laughs> oh i'm fucking your merit <laughs> right. the first barber's mouth slid somewhat open his cigarette dropped to the floor huh <laughs> oh my god my hair bob it refusing further preliminaries bernice took her seat on the oh, she seat just on sat high. down she's like let's do this a man in the chair next to her turned on his side and gave her a glance half lather half amazement one barber started, wow, she is scaring the shit out of people, <laughs> and spoiled little, <laughs> little Willie Schooneman's monthly haircut. Oh, my God. He just was like, zoom. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mr. O- had lather. Oh. <laughs> and he's like, Wooga, wooga. Homina, homina. Mr. O'Reilly in the last chair grunted and swore musically in ancient Gaelic as a razor what? bit into his cheek. <gasps> this is destroying people. Like, <laughs> like mass the, chaos. Yeah, no, then the ground like Cats opened and dogs up. Living together. <laughs> Ooh, I'm not going to say this next sentence. La 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 la. Racist. Oh. No, Bernice didn't care for a shine. Uh, that Did someone sign. offer her Somebody a shoe shine? Somebody offered her a shoe shine. Oh, um, I see. You don't have to say it. Oh, not racist. Two, <laughs> here's why I thought that. Two boot blacks became wide-eyed and rushed for her feet. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, no. Those are no. shoe shine people. God. But boot blacks are shoe shiners. Yeah. Yes. They make sure your boots Use are. better words, F. Scott. 
right? He should use better words. Yeah, no, this is definitely an F. Scott problem. Yeah. Wouldn't you have been scared reading that just now? <laughs> no, because I know that that's a shoe shiner. You're full of shit. I'm sensitive, and apparently no one else in this room is. Here's the question. Does it make you racist to think that that's a racist term? No, it makes me sensitive to be afraid there's a racist term I'm unfamiliar with. There's no reason for us to shame Lindsay for being so sensitive. <laughs> Thank you, it's Ryan. It's good to be sensitive. No, it is good to be sensitive. <laughs> but yeah, I would have just read it. I would have Because I know what it is. Well, yeah. I'm not finishing. I'm going to read the rest silently. <laughs> and then you'll be like, no! interesting. You and then you'll guys. delete it from my phone. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck off like the couple of Marjories you are. Oh, shit. Oh, that's okay. right. I said it. I'd rather be a Marjorie. No, <laughs> Marjorie didn't care for a shine. Outside, no. a passerby stopped and stared. A couple joined him. Half a dozen small boys' noses sprang into life. <laughs> what? Flattened against the glass. Extra, extra, st- extra, extra, girl bombs her hair. And snatches of conversation bored on the summer breeze drifted in through the screen door. What? This is insane. People are losing their fucking mind. Because, okay, if oh. they live in a world where everyone knows what a bob is. Yeah. So... How is it so shocking that a person would get one? I know, especially because there's not the internet where you would just see it. Like you, I think hear this about is it very early though. So this is like they they're like a bob. What's a bob? So it'd be like if someone in 1980 got a tongue piercing. Maybe I'm trying. Or like when yeah, yeah the when beginning you started of that, dressing yeah. punk in the yeah. late 70s. Yeah, yeah. Some people were like, what? Mm-hmm. Look at you that mohawk. It's yeah. so high. I really Tell love this next sentence. Okay, yay. Look at a long hair on a kid. (laughs) Where do you get it stuff? That's a bearded lady just finished shaving. They're amazed that there's even a woman woman in the barber shop. I might stop and look. Now who's stupid? Yeah. (laughs) Me. (laughs) Thank you, Ryan. (laughs) You're my favorite. Yes. But Bernice saw nothing, heard nothing. Nice. Her only living sense told her that this man in the white coat had removed one tortoiseshell comb and then another, that his fingers were fumbling clumsily. He's going to cut her ears off. Ouch. Oh, my God. Fumbling cu- clumsily with unfamiliar hairpins, that his hair, this wonderful hair of hers, that this hair, this wonderful hair of hers was going. She would never again feel its long, voluptuous pull as it hair hung grows. in a Does she not brown, know about know. hair? It grows. She's freaked, you guys. Everyone in the world is freaked. Freak. She's getting the world's first bob. <laughs> Marjorie invented it. Yeah, they only ever have like concept art. Uh-huh. <laughs> Drawings. Yeah, what it would look like if one were to get a bob. <laughs> if anyone were so bold. Yeah. <laughs> if one were so insane as to get a bob. Also, she probably could have pulled those pins out herself. Yeah, she didn't need to make him pull those pins out. She's frozen. She's, she's frozen. frozen. She's, she's frozen very frozen. She's scared. Blah, blah, blah. Is it hung in a dark brown glory down her back? For a second, she was near breaking down, and then the picture before her swam mechanically into her vision. Marjorie's mouth curling in a faint, ironic smile as if to say, give up and get down. You tried to buck me, and I called your bluff. You see, you haven't got a prayer. And some last energy rose up in Bernice, for she clenched her hands under the white cloth, and there was a curious narrowing of her eyes that Marjorie remarked on to someone long afterward. Twenty minutes later, the barber swung her round to face the mirror, and she flinched at the full extent of the damage that had been wrought. Her hair was not curly, and now it lay in lank, lifeless blocks on both sides of her suddenly pale face. It was ugly as sin. Oh, no. She had known it would be ugly as sin. Her face's chief charm had been a Madonna-like simplicity. Now that was gone, and she was, well, frightfully mediocre. 
not stagey, only ridiculous, like a Greenwich villager who had left her spectacles at home. Okay, was her hair curly before? No, or I think she was just, just hoping saying, that like, it would be curly. Or like, yeah. so it's giving no body to the bob. Because usually, yeah. when you cut all that weight off, it gets you're, curly. You're way more it volume. Gets embarrassing. Yeah, it's all it's voluminous. Too much. Like, you're yes. like, I wish straighteners like, were invented. Yes, <laughs> yeah. But he probably didn't cut it well. Yeah, he was just like chomp, chomp, chomp. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. As she climbed down from the chair, she tried to smile, failed miserably. She saw two of the girls exchange glances, noticed Marjorie's mouth curved in attenuated mockery, and that Warren's eyes were suddenly very cold. Whoa! Fuck you, Warren. Oh my god. You see, her words fell into an awkward pause. I've done it. Yes, you've done it, admitted Warren. <gasps> wow. Do you like it? There was a Stop asking these questions. Oh my God. She I needs know. to just go away. <sighs> go away. Go forever. home. Go home where your mom oh. will be so mean to you. <laughs> <laughs> so upsetting. There was a half hearted, sure, from two oh, or three no. voices. Another awkward pause. And then Marjorie turned swiftly and with serpent like intensity to Warren. Would you mind running down to the cleaners? She asked. I've simply got to get a dress there before supper. Whoa. Roberta's <sighs> driving right home and she can take the others. So she's now in K and territory, right? She's she's all she's Cap Cake Hunt right yeah, now. She's so mean. Yeah. And um she is making sure that Bernice is being taken home by Roberta instead of Warren. Yeah. Ugh. Warren stared abstractedly at some infinite speck out the window. <laughs> Then for an instant, okay, his Warren, eyes, he's like, mm-hmm. yeah. Then for an instant, his eyes rested coldly on Bernice before they turned to Marjorie. Be glad to, he said slowly. Bernice oh. did not fully realize the outrageous trap that had been set for her until she met her aunt's amazed glance just before dinner. Why, Bernice? I've bobbed it, Aunt Josephine. <laughs> oh, God. Why, child? Do you like it? Oh, my God. Why, Bernice? Stop asking. I suppose I've shocked you. No, but what'll Mrs. Deo think tomorrow night? Bernice, you should have waited until after the Deos' dance. You should have waited if you wanted to do that. It was sudden, Aunt Josephine. Anyway, why does it matter to Mrs. Deo particularly? Why, child, cried Mrs. Harvey, in her paper on the foibles of the younger generation that she read at the last beating of the Thursday Club, she devoted 15 minutes to bobbed hair. It's her pet abomination. Oh, my and God. Marjorie. Oh, God. Marjorie oh. And the dance is for you and Marjorie. Oh. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, Marjorie. Bernice, what'll your mother say? She'll think I let you do it. I'm sorry. Dinner was an agony. She made a hasty attempt with a curling iron and burned her finger and much hair. She could see that her aunt was both worried and grieved, and her uncle kept saying, well, I'll be darned, over and over in a hurt and faintly hostile <sighs> tone. And Marjorie sat very quietly, entrenched behind a faint smile, a faintly mocking smile. Somehow she got through the evening. Three boys called. Marjorie disappeared with one of them, and Bernice made a listless, unsuccessful attempt to entertain the two others. Oh, no. Sighed thankfully as she climbed the stairs to her room at half past ten. What a day. When she had undressed for the night... The door opened and Marjorie came in. Bernice, she said, I'm awfully sorry about the Deo dance. I'll give you my word of honor I'd forgotten all about it. It's all right, said Bernice shortly. Oh. Standing before the mirror, she passed her comb slowly through her short hair. 
I'll take you downtown tomorrow, continued Marjorie, and the hairdresser will fix it so you'll look slick. Whoa. I didn't imagine you'd go through with it. I'm really mighty sorry. There is a hairdresser? Apparently. Well, wow, she's the one who named the barber. Ugh. She should oh, not. Bernice. She's, Bernice, you don't go to a barber. Yeah. Oh, my God. I don't God. know what okay. to do with lady hair. Okay. Yeah, we were Bernice, really discussing kind of- <laughs> earlier. <laughs> No, Bernice, I- this is 100% your fault. Yeah. And uh, victim shaming. <laughs> <laughs> Bernice. Oh, this is all very embarrassing. Oh, man. Oh. I mean, it was for the for the banter. It was better to say you were going to the barbershop. Yeah. Yeah. It, it yeah. Like her better, little line. Yeah. Like line. Yeah. Story. And Anecdote. Maybe, uh, yeah. Bernice is a fool. Mm. Yeah. Oobly. Truly stepped in it. Yeah. Oh, it's all right. Still, it's your last night, so I suppose it won't matter much. Then Bernice winced as Marjorie tossed her own hair over her shoulders <laughs> and began to twist it slowly into two long blonde braids. Holy until shit! Until her cream-colored <laughs> negligee. Until in her cream-colored negligee, she looked like a delicate painting of some Saxon princess. Fascinated, Bernice watched the braids grow. Heavy and luxurious they were. Ooh, I hope she cuts those fucking yeah. braids off. Yeah. Oh, I think that I might think be where we're going. This but then Marjorie's to gonna look good. Oh <laughs> That's my gonna god. Be true. <laughs> <clears throat> Heavy and luxurious they were, moving under the supple fingers like restive snakes. And to Bernice remained this relic, and the curling iron, and a tomorrow full of eyes. She could see G. Reese Stoddard, who liked her, assuming his Harvard manner and telling his dinner partner that Bernice shouldn't have been allowed to go to the movie so much. She could see Draycott Deo exchanging glances with his mother and then being consciously, ch- conscientiously charitable to her. But then perhaps by tomorrow, Mrs. Deo would have heard the news, would send round an icy little note requesting that she fail to appear, and behind her back they would all laugh and know that Marjorie had made a fool of her, that her chance at beauty had been sacrificed to the jealous whim of a selfish girl, She sat down suddenly before the mirror, biting the inside of her cheek. I like it, she said with an effort. I think it'll be becoming. Marjorie smiled. It looks all right. For heaven's sake, don't let it worry you. (laughs) It sucks so much. I know. She's so mean. I won't. (laughs) Good night, Bernice. (laughs) But as the door closed, something snapped within Bernice. Yes. Yes! Yes! Fucking finally. cannot wait. She sprang dynamically to her feet, clenching her hands, then swiftly and noiselessly crossed over to her bed, (gasps) and from underneath it dragged out her suitcase. Oh, come on. That's not where I wanted this to go. Maybe inside there's like big shears. Yeah. (laughs) Like comically large. Huge shears. shears. (laughs) Into it, she tossed toilet articles and a change of clothing. Then she turned to her trunk and quickly dumped in two drawers full of lingerie and summer dresses. She moved quietly but with deadly efficiency. And in three quarters of an hour, her trunk was locked and strapped. and She was fully dressed in a becoming new traveling suit that Marjorie had helped her pick out. Sitting down at her desk, she wrote a short note to Mrs. Harvey in which she briefly outlined her reasons for going. She sealed it, addressed it, and laid it on her pillow. She glanced at her watch. The train left at one, and she knew that if she walked down to the Marlboro Hotel two blocks away, she could easily get a taxicab. Suddenly, she drew in her breath sharply, and an expression flashed into her eyes that a practiced character reader might have connected vaguely with the set look she had worn in the barber's chair. Oh, man. Come on. Somehow, a development of it. It was quite a new look for Bernice. 
and it carried consequences. Oh, shit. She went stealthily to the bureau. <gasps> yes. Picked up an article that lay there and turning out all the lights. Yeah. Stood quietly until her eyes became accustomed to the darkness. <laughs> Holy shit. She is fucking scary, dude. Oh, my God. I hope she accidentally cuts an ear off. Yeah, yes. me too. Softly, she pushed open the door to Marjorie's room. She heard the quiet, even breathing of an untroubled conscience sleep. She was by the bedside now, very deliberate and calm. She acted swiftly. (gasps) Bending over, she found one of the braids of Marjorie's hair. Yes! 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 Followed it up with her hand to the point nearest the head, and then holding a little slack so that the sleeper would feel no pull. She reached down with the shears and severed it. With the pigtail in her hand, she held her breath. Marjorie had muttered something in her sleep. Bernice deftly amputated the other braid. Oh, my God. Paused for an instant and then flitted swiftly and silently back to her own room. Downstairs, she opened the big front door, closed it carefully behind her, and feeling oddly happy and exuberant, (laughs) stepped off the porch into the moonlight, swinging her heavy grip like a shopping bag. After a minute's brisk walk, she discovered that her left hand still held the two (gasps) blonde braids. Oh, Oh my God! You psycho. She laughed unexpectedly, had to shut her mouth hard to keep from emitting an absolute peel. Oh, my God. She was passing Warren's house now. No. Holy shit. Yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. On the impulse, she set down her baggage and swinging the braids like pieces of rope. Yes. Flung them at the wooden porch. Yes. Where they landed with a slight thud. She laughed again, no longer restraining herself. (laughs) I love she Bernice. She wildly, scout the selfish thing. Oh my God, <laughs> then Bernice. Picking up her suitcase, <laughs> picking up her suitcase, she set off at a half run down the moonlit street. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> that was great. That was awesome. Oh my, oh my God. God. Scout the selfish thing. <laughs> I love that she threw the hair at Warren. I know, he deserved it. And I feel like that really tied it all together so that now they'll understand and know it was her. Yes, they will know it was Okay, well, Margie would have known it was her. But everybody else wouldn't have. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So now even if she does look good in that bob, everybody's going to (laughs) know. Yeah. Bernice chopped her braids off and threw them at Warren's house. That's amazing. Okay, I have a question about trunks. Trunks. I've never owned a trunk. Okay. And I I feel like I've seen in modern times, you have like a thing that has wheels that you like put on the outside of the trunk to move oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she a dolly. She wasn't like carrying a trunk. I think maybe she was holding it on her side. Like it might one be a hand, little Like smaller. Trunk. But like, or, like this? No, oh, uh, with a handle. At some point, I think it said suitcase. And so maybe they just used oh, it interchangeably. Okay. Oh, I, I have heard people use the term trunk. To when, mean a when they suitcase. Mean a suitcase. Okay. Yeah. I know how a person carries a suitcase. I'm familiar with those. <laughs> so what they do is they reach down. Mm-hmm. There's like a, what they call a handle. Because mm. your hand. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it's like shaped like a hand? And so uh, you yeah, handle You link your fingers through. Yeah. Oh, the, okay. So, so it's like holding verb. hands with a yes. suitcase. <laughs> yeah. So you hold hands with a box that you keep your clothes in. Uh-huh. And that's, <laughs> that's how suitcases work. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I'm in. Oh, my God. That was awesome. That was, I... That was high drama. I was there for it. That was, was high drama. It was almost like an Edgar Allan Poe story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming on and doing the show, Ryan. Oh, thank you guys fun. so much for having me. This was really fun. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, sure. I do a show called Same Day Shipping uh, where we 
get really serious talking about fictional relationships and really silly talking about real relationships. Um, and one of my co-hosts is Kelly. So uh, if you plugs on plugs on plugs on plugs, plugs, on plugs on double plugs. plugs. <laughs> but yeah, um, you can find that anywhere you download your podcast. Awesome. Um, th- we don't know what we're reading. I was going to no. say what we're reading. We don't know. It's a probably surprise. something fun. Yeah. Even if it's not, we make our own fun. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again, Ryan. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you guys. Aw, we, oh, we appreciate you. you. Aw, thanks. Nice. Well, thanks so much for tuning in, you guys. Uh, as always, keep it cultured. This has been Public Domain Theater. F. Scott Fitzgerald's Bernice Bobs Her Hair. As read by and responded to by Kelly Nugent, Lindsay K. Tai, and Ryan Mogi. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Kelly Nugent, Lindsay Katai, Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.